Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool center. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, yeah, a very good afternoon, everyone. Evening. It's almost dark, actually, as we head towards the shortest day of the year in about a couple of weeks' time. I think it's the 22nd of June is the winter solstice. Jimmy, can you just confirm that? You should have learnt that at high school, but I'm pretty sure the 22nd of June is the winter solstice. Oh, 21st, he's just confirmed. I was 24 hours out. I knew it was around 21st, 22nd. Anyway, that's why it's getting darker earlier and, of course, the sun's coming up later. In fact, Megan, who works in the office here, was just complaining that she got up at about 5 to 7 this morning and it was still dark. Megan, yeah, it's going to get darker over the next few days before we turn it around. Anyway, uh, regardless of that, let's talk about sport. And the weekend was an interesting one. A lot has been said about Fremantle's performance. A lot has been said about the Eagles' performance against Adelaide. But yesterday... There were two good games of WAFL football. In fact, the Waffle probably in some ways, other than Fremantle doing so well against Brisbane, commanded some of the major headlines. Nat Fife playing for Peel Thunder at Leaderville Oval on Saturday against Subiaco. And the crowds were up because Subi don't have a lot of followers and supporters. And no doubt a lot of Fremantle people went down to see Nat Fife go around and he came through unscathed. Whether he was mobbed after the game, uh, there were a few people that ran on the ground and wanted to touch him and get up up, uh, close and personal and maybe get an autograph. But I recall the days when at the end of every WAFL game before the AFL came in, people used to run on the ground all the time and get close to their favourite players and smell the ointment and get a bit of sweat, and get an autograph signed. It was just that it's so unusual in these circumstances. Not so much unusual in the WAFL. But I heard, of course, uh, Justin Longmuir saying he was hoping to maybe take him off a couple of minutes before the end to not ha- make that happen. But uh, because the game was up for grabs, Nat Five wanted to play, and in the end uh, they got over the line, Peel Thunder. But also I do understand with the COVID situation, uh, and Nat Five being such an important part and not wanting to go down with COVID ahead of his first uh, game in the AFL, his return date this weekend, that it was a bit risky. So I can understand all the pros and cons uh, related to that. But just going back to the WAFL, I went to Joondalup yesterday and I rang Neil Fong, Dr. Neil Fong, who's the president of the West Perth Footy Club. And I said, Neil, would you mind coming on? Because I believe there was a few issues at Joondalup yesterday. And I wasn't speaking from hearsay, I was there. I saw it. The match between West Perth and East Perth, which is a a real low-scoring, tough game of footy, and congratulations to the Falcons in the end pulling away in the second half of the final term to record the victory. East Perth, by the way, a bit of a hoodoo, West Perth at June. They haven't won there since about 2017. But besides that, there wasn't a lot of planning that went into it. 
I rocked up there. The match was due to start at 2.10. I got there about 10 minutes to 2, and there was a mile, a, there was a queue a mile long, people wanting to get in. It was ridiculous. And there was about two or three people through one turnstile trying to admit all these people in. And you think they would have made provision for maybe a second entry point to that game yesterday. A lot of people that got there well before the start of the game would have missed it, the start of the game. They did push the game back to 2.15. But honestly, there would have been hundreds and hundreds of people in a long queue uh, probably about four, five, four, five hundred metres waiting to get in at about 10 to 2 with the game 20 minutes away. Also, the other issue, and this is where the waffle needs to be proactive, and whether it's a responsibility of the clubs, which I suggested is, they didn't get it right. Hardly any food and drink outlets. In fact, a family member of mine who's got two young kids went to get something for the kids and had to leave the ground and go close to Lakeside Shopping Centre where there's a couple of takeaway outlets, get something for the kids and come back to the ground. And on the other side, because there were hundreds of kids there, they went there with their mums and dads and whatever. It was a great family day at Joondalup. The one Mr Whippy ice cream van was going Full steam, all match. There was a queue of kids a mile long as well. you think they'd commission a second one or maybe a third one. It was a fine day. People were going to go out. It was an opportunity for the family to go to the waffle, and they erred. They erred big time yesterday at Joondub. I don't know what it was like at Fremantle Oval, but if you – and I invited Neil Fong on the program, but he says, Peter, you need to be promoting waffle football. No, none of the negatives. Well, hang on, Neil. I do promote the WAFL, and there's a lot of good things about the WAFL, but you got it wrong yesterday. You got it wrong yesterday, and there'll be a lot of people thinking, I'm not going to go back after that experience yesterday. The experience of waiting and waiting and waiting, when normally you rock up and you walk straight in, and waiting and not being served uh, when you want to get maybe a cup of chips and a, and a drink, a water or something like that and you couldn't find a way to get there, uh, it wasn't good yesterday. So all I want to say, if you were there, and I said Neil Fong was invited to come, I'll just explain what went wrong yesterday, but he didn't take the invitation because I was going to be a bit negative about it. Uh, Temper at Bedshed text line, your, your mob, uh, Jimmy, West Perth, oh, good, the top of the WAFL ladder, and I said we'd certainly talk glowingly what's been a great season for the Falcons but we had to look at what happened yesterday. 0487 736 736. 0487 736 736. If you were there yesterday at Arena Joondalup to see the Perth Derby, which attracted just over 4,000 people, there was a very healthy crowd there, but they didn't manage it well as well. If you'd like to give us a call, the Scarborough Toyota Open Line is there as well. 13 at 12.55. Just some news, and you've probably heard it, uh, the fact that, uh, a couple of suspensions, and particularly Michael Frederick is an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, he's been uh, stepped down from the game this week. He won't play because he broke uh, the protocol of the Fremantle Dockers. He had a drink after the game and the win against Brisbane on Sunday afternoon, and uh, Peter Bell's come out as a spokesman for the Fremantle Football Clubs, saying that he broke uh, club's protocol and he has been uh, stood down for one week and won't be available for selection 
for the game against Hawthorne here on Saturday afternoon. In other footy news, Melbourne, you may have heard of suspended Stephen May for getting into a scuffle with teammate Jake Melksham while drinking. Now the key defender was out of action under the AFL's concussion protocols and the club said he was aware he should not have been drinking. Uh, Elliot Yo, by the way, uh, has can accept a early plea, a one-match suspension after being involved in a... Uh, an incident involving a Swan Districts player in the match at the weekend. So Elliot Yo rubbed out for one week with an early plea. We've got uh, Stephen May. He's now out uh, for getting in a scuffle with teammate uh, Jake Melksham. And uh, he's now uh, won't be playing this week. And we've also got uh, Michael Frederick, who has been in such great form for the Fremantle Dockers. He won't be Available. He's been stood down for breaking team protocol by having a maybe a bevy after the win against Brisbane. All right, uh, come and join us on the Tempera Bedshed text line. The number 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line, which is 13 12 55. We'll take a break. Uh, coming up on the program, we're going to talk about State of Origin because there's a, a lot of interest with State of Origin. The first game is tomorrow night in Sydney. New South Wales is their Blues taking on Queensland. And, of course, a couple of weeks' time, it'll be here at Optus Stadium and it'll be a massive event. Be interesting to see which way the match goes tomorrow night. Regardless of that, it's going to be a big one. Game two of State of Origin here at Optus Stadium uh, later in the month. And we'll speak to, to a man that knows all about it, Scotty Sattler, who, by the way, is the son of Johnny Sattler, who was a legend uh, of rugby league, played, I think, in four premierships for South Sydney. And it was interesting, before State of Origin, he played for Queensland and he played for New South Wales as well. So I'll speak to Scotty on how his dad's travelling as well. Uh, tomorrow morning, around about 2 o'clock, uh, the Socceroos have a do-or-die World Cup qualifying playoff against the United Arab Emirates. Uh, we'll have a chat about that later on as well. Plus, look at all the football. Nat Fife, his thoughts on uh, playing uh, in the league side, in the AFL uh, this Saturday. We'll have a have a listen to him. Plus, there's so much other footy bubbling around as well. So don't go away. This is Drive with Peter Vlahos. And, of course, it's all brought to you by our friends at Toolmart. They are the complete tool centre where you can always get the right tool from the start. Of course, Toolmart, by the way, the Tradies Expo is coming up, which is sponsored by Toolmart. Uh, check the details on the Toolmart website. We'll take a break. It's uh, 10 minutes past five uh, on this Tuesday afternoon. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, it should be a big one uh, tomorrow night. It is State of Origin 1. Of course, it's been a concept that's now gone four decades. And it is New South Wales who are playing for the first time in Sydney since 2020. They haven't played the last couple of years there because of the COVID situation. But State of Origin 1 is back at the Olympic Stadium there in Sydney tomorrow night. And about 80,000 are expected to flock. And as we know, State of Origin 2 will be here at Optus Stadium towards the end of June. I'll get the exact date, actually. I think it's about June 26, uh, State of Origin 2 here at Optus Stadium. And that'll pull about another 50,000, 60,000. And then we'll have uh, the... Uh, 
Game three at Suncorp Stadium. They're the rectangular stadium in Brisbane. Yes, it is the 26th of June. State of Origin 2 here at Optus Stadium. Just before we go to our guest uh, from Mike Height, Pete and Haggers. Well, Haggers is not in tonight, being a Tuesday night. He's always in on a Monday and a Friday, uh, Thursday. He'll be back here Thursday night to have a look at all the AFL teams and news. He says, bad luck uh, for Freddie. Of course, talking about Michael Fredericks, who uh, is out for this week. Uh, but those are the rules. It's harder to get back in the team as everyone wants to keep their spot. Yeah, Michael Palmyra, that's correct. Uh, Mike was on the temper at Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. So let's have a look at State of Origin 1. And a man that uh, knows all about it is uh, Scott Sattler. He joins us on the program, NRL broadcast, of course, played State of Origin and had a distinguished career with over 200 games in the NRL. Scott, thanks for joining us. I reckon you must be getting a bit excited. It is. It is, Pete. Uh, not Even if you're not a rugby league fan, a lot of people are intrigued by State of Origin. Intrigued for a number of reasons, because uh, you know, Queensland versus New South Wales, a lot of a lot of the, the top-ranked sports in Australia don't have uh, Queensland versus New South Wales. I know the AFL did many years ago. Um, but a lot of people are intrigued, I think, by the brutality of it as well. Uh, it has cleaned up a little bit over the years, but in saying that, the confrontation you know, is um, it's, it's gigantic at times. And uh, this is what Origin's been built on since 1980, uh, state against state, mate against mate. And um, it's, it's, it's the only time that you see teammates who train together and play together each and every week in the NRL, but then they go up against each other in three games every year and they basically throw friendship out the window. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing rivalry. I can't wait. Yeah, saying that, I, I think the Maroons, and of course you're a Queensland through and through because you represented Queensland in the State of Origin encounter, uh, they haven't had much success in Sydney of late. Do you think that can uh, maybe turn around uh, in the match tomorrow night? Well, they need to, and, and you are right. Out of, I think it's like 26 games or something that's been played at the Olympic Stadium in, in Homebush in Sydney, uh, Queensland have only won, I think, about 30% of those games. It's a, it's a completely different surface than what you see uh, in Queensland at Suncorp Stadium. It's a, it's a slippery, dewy sort of surface. It's not conducive to the way that Queensland like to play, which is a really fast, up-tempo style of rugby league. So... Yeah, it's always been against them for some reason. So, uh, but this Queensland side's a different side. It's they're going to be well coached by Billy Slater. They'll be really well prepared, and um, and he's got a really good assistant coaching crew with him as well. Billy Slater, some of the greats in Cam Smith and Billy Slater there. So they'll go in well prepared. I think um, when you match match up player to player with Queensland, New South Wales, I think Queensland have got. A lot of players are in form week to week at the moment, so I really can't split them. It'll, it'll come down to it'll come down to one moment in the game tomorrow night that will decide the outcome. I think, but uh, you are right. This this is a stadium that Queensland don't have a great record at. It's a little bit like New South Wales were for so many years at at the old Lang Park, now Suncorp Stadium. So, but you know, Origin's all about these little battles that emerge across the game. You just got to win a majority of those battles, battles, and you win the game. Of course, nobody wore his heart on his sleeve and had so much passion for Queensland like Billy Slater, now the man in charge. We saw what he did in his years with the Melbourne Storm under Craig Bellamy and we've seen what he's been part of that iconic breed of uh, Queensland at that one series after series after series. What do you think you'll bring as a coach? 
Well, he's meticulous in his preparation. Um, and sometimes that works against you in state of origin when you are, I suppose, um, yeah, not as spontaneous and a little bit, bit, a little bit more creativity. And he gets that from Craig Bellamy. Craig Bellamy is meticulous with his attention to detail with preparation. So I think he'll be meticulous in their preparation behind the scenes, but the players won't see a lot of that. What they'll see is a real simplified you know, coaching technique and style where everything is a lot of fun, but everything is done at a breakneck speed the way that he played. The way that he'll coach his side will be that they'll go into the into the game not thinking they're the underdogs because every year everyone says, oh, Queensland the underdogs. You've got less players to pick from. It's their backs against the wall. He's come out publicly and said, no, we're not using that tag. We're not the underdogs. Whenever I took the field, I never, ever thought anyone in the opposition was better than me. So they'll go into the game with this steely frame of mind that you're going to have to be really good to beat us. And he was one of the great competitors, Billy. And, you know, he basically the 80 minutes was played at a at a tempo that you very rarely see at NRL level week in, week out. He played at a state of origin level week in, week out. And I think that's the way he's going to have the mindset of this Queensland team. that They're going to have to be really good to to be able to take the onslaught of this New South Wales side. They've got a lot of really good combinations. What's been interesting, of course, there hasn't been a state of origin match because of COVID in Sydney since 2020. Last year, the series went down to New South Wales 2-1 and really uh, Queenslanders were rank outsiders. Saying that, they look like debuting four new players, Queensland, tomorrow night. Do you remember your state of origin match for Queensland and what were you like when you were about to go there and wear the Guernsey with pride? Well, I was 31, Pete, so I was one of the oldest debutants in the history of Origin, so I'd had a lot of, you know, 200 NRL games behind my belt. I was confident in big games. I, I always prepared really well. So going into Origin, I was a lot more mature than a lot of these young players like Reuben Cotters and Jeremiah Nanai's, uh, for example, and, and Selwyn Cobos. They're, they're 19, 20, 21 years of age. If I was at their age and went into Origin, you know, I wouldn't have slept for the 10 days in Origin camp, but... <laughs> Yeah, I was still nervous because I knew how much is at stake when you play for Queensland, how much the entire state relies on their rugby league team to win. Um, but I had really settled nerves because, because I suppose, of my age, to be quite honest. Um, I was still very nervous, don't get me wrong, standing there for the national anthem. I remember running out onto this very stadium at the Olympic, Olympic Stadium in Homebush. I remember the New South Wales fans, when they yelled and screamed when New South Wales come out into the field, my whole body from the bones, from the inside outwards, just shook. My whole body was shaking, and I, I'd never felt, I'd never felt a feeling like it in a in a rugby league game. So, I've got to say, standing there for the for the national anthem, that was probably the most nervous I was when you're looking into the stand, and all of a sudden you catch the eyes of your mum and dad, and and at that stage I had a, you know, I had a son who was rugby league mad, and he was five years of age. I'm looking into his eyes and. I know how much it means to these people and the people that have got me there. So that's when I was at my most nervous. So there's going to be a few more nerves, I think, with these 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah, amazing. So saying that, let's look at the individual teams. You said it could come down to one special X factor that could determine game one. Who's the X factor for Queensland and who do you think is the X factor for the Blues? Well, I'll go back to... 20, the 2020 season, which was played after the after the NRL competition because of COVID, 
And it's the same two players. In game two, played in New South Wales, in the third minute, Cameron Munster, their number five, eight, number six, he hits his head on the ground, gets ruled out because of concussion test, and he fails a concussion test. Doesn't play the other 73 minutes. New South Wales win convincingly. So it goes to Brisbane for a decider. And in that game, their best player and their captain, James Tedesco, gets knocked out when his head hits the knee of Josh Papali'i, fails the concussion test, can't come back on the field, Queensland win the series. It's going to be exactly the same players. If if one of those players is the man of the match, their team wins. Simple as that. So uh, they're the two best players, the number one for New South Wales, number six for Queensland. Everything comes off the back of those two players. It may come down to a referee decision, a penalty, whatever it may be, but if it's going to come down to just the, the pure class of the players and the important players, it's those two players that, that dictate how this game plays out. Mm. Okay. Now, Scotty, before I let you go, I've got to talk about Dad. How's he going? One of the legends of rugby league, of course, a legend at South Sydney and I think played in something like about four premiership for Souths. But he also played with New South Wales and Queensland in representative yeah. football, didn't he? Yeah, it was. It was before State of Origin in 1980. So State of Origin, in in quick a quick explanation for the listeners, was when you played your first senior game class as a 15- or 16-year-old, that's who you became eligible for. And, and But back when he played in the 60s and 70s, it was basically where you were playing, in the Brisbane comp or the New South Wales comp. And, in the 60s, he was playing the early 70s. He played for New South Wales and captain New South Wales. And then when he moved to Queensland in 1973, he captained Queensland as well. So there was no such thing as state of origin. Um, yeah, he, he never thought, when it was explained to him in 1980, that this concept called state of origin, where guys were going to come back from New South Wales and represent Queensland, where they played their first game as a 15 or 16-year-old, he said, it will never work. It won't work. <laughs> but as we know, it's one of the... It's a juggernaut when it comes to the sporting calendar. He's going all right. He's, he's 80 this year. Um, Good on him. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a frail man now. He's not as big and, and thick set as what he was when he, um, when he played when he retired. Um, now he's got a little bit of dementia. He, he remembers all the good old days when he played footy, um, but can't remember what, what happened yesterday. So, yeah. But outside of that, he looks healthy. He's going okay. Good stuff, Scotty. Thanks for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it. Enjoy Origin 1. We'll see you in Perth towards the end of the month. Oh, can't wait for the second one. <laughs> Good on you, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we'll probably invite him in the studio, actually, uh, if he's available before that, because I'll be broadcasting just before Origin 2. So we'll see how we go. Uh, gets underway, by the way. In fact, Origin 2, I think, gets underway at 10 to 6 our time because of the televising of it into the Eastern States. Gets underway at 10 past 8 Sydney time. 10 past 6 Perth time. And I've got a feeling Origin 2 starts at 10 to 6 on the 26th of June. By the way, we talk about Johnny Sattler there and the fact that he played for both Queensland and also New South Wales. You may have heard the interview last week with Leon Larkin when he saw Big Polly Farmer, the late great Polly Farmer, wearing the big V on his chest. And he said, this can't happen. A West Australian legend playing against us. And that was the brainchild to bring in state of origin football when it came to Aussie rules. And But there you go, perfect example. Johnny Sattler, one of the icons, one of the legends of rugby league, played with both states, Queensland and New South Wales. And that's why state of origin is so good. By the way, before we go to the break, 123 times they've played against each other. Uh, Queensland have won 65. 
there's been 56 wins for the Blues and two drawn matches. And when you look at the lineups for tomorrow, you know, the fullbacks, you know, James Tedesco, who's the skipper of the Blues, and Kalen Ponga, who's such an outstanding player, Dane Gagai, who's been an experienced campaigner. This is all for the Blues. Cameron Munster, Daly Cherry Evans, who's the captain of uh, the Queensland side. And it goes down. So there's some very handy players for Queensland. But then you got, as you said, Tedesco's there. You know, you've got the likes of Nathan Cleary, who, as we know, his father is the coach of uh, the Penrith Panthers, who are just monstering at the moment. South Sydney's Cameron Murray. So there are some uh, class players, and it should be a terrific match in front of 80,000 people live there at the Olympic Stadium, Acor Stadium, it's known these days, Queensland taking on New South Wales. Big game tomorrow morning at 2 o'clock. I know a lot of people may not watch it because of uh, the time frame, but you may wake up tomorrow morning and realise that the Socceroos won't be going to the World Cup in Qatar in November. The first time they won't be represented at the biggest sporting event on the planet every four years in 20 years. They've been there in the last 20 years after, of course, qualifying in 2006 uh, after that drought from 1974. They don't qualify in 2022. Then all of a sudden the next option is 2026, which will be 20 years. Anyway, we'll speak to a man that's going to bring you the uh, coverage of the match on the 10 Network and Paramount Plus. Uh, Robbie Thompson is going to join us after the break here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. And news just in, Elliot Yo from the Eagles has accepted his one-match ban from the WAFL game against Swan Districts at the weekend. We're about to speak to Robbie Thompson, who's going to call the action for Network 10 tonight and also Paramount Plus on the do-or-die World Cup qualifier, the playoff match between the Socceroos and the United Arab Emirates. Before we introduce Robbie, this is what Graham Arnold said earlier today on SEN about this pivotal match. You know, Australia's uh, pretty much used to doing it the hard way. And, uh, you know, as you said, it's our fifth time we've had, we've had to go through playoffs. And so it's an experience that we're used to. Um, <clears throat> obviously, uh, we've we've analysed, we've looked at the UAE. Uh, we know what their strengths are and their weaknesses are. And, uh, you know, we, we go out on the field uh, expecting to expose their weaknesses. Since I've taken over, um, you know, four years ago, probably out of... 18 qualifiers, we played 14 in the Middle East and uh, we're very comfortable here. You know, we uh, started out our World Cup campaign because we couldn't go back to Australia, play, or play in Australia, having a great experience here and playing in Qatar and uh, playing in the air-conditioned stadium and we won both those games and the boys have a, a really good feel about playing here. So, you know, it's a, of course, uh, it's going to be more fans from the UAE but uh, I think that will help us as well. Um, you know, that uh, we're play, we've played here before and we will feel comfortable and I think uh, the neutral fans will also be supporting us. So it's a backs-to-the-wall situation for the Socceroos and even Socceroos coach Graham Arnold. One wonders what his future may be if uh, they don't get to Qatar in November of this year. Robbie Thompson is going to be your caller uh, on the uh, network of uh, Channel 10 and also on Paramount Plus. Uh, two o'clock in the morning is kickoff there from uh, Doha. Robbie joins us on the program. Robbie, thanks for your time. 
No problem. The alarm clocks are all set. I've got about three of them. <laughs> Good on you. Well, this is only the first leg. If they get through this one, they've still got Peru to come from South America, but we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. You just heard Graham Arnold there. We're used to having backs to the wall. We're used to going through a playoff series. We're used to playing in this part of the world. Uh, what are your thoughts on where the Socceroos sit? Because many that I've spoken to feel it might be a tough assignment. Yeah, look, I think there's no divine right to, to qualify for the World Cup. That's the, that's the bottom line. Every country in the world wants to go to the World Cup. Um, we've made it to the last four all looking back 15 years ago to that night when Johnny A scored his penalty. And it's sort of, that was our golden generation. And since then, we haven't had that same quality of footballer. It's been tough for Graham Arnold because we haven't had the Harry Kules, the Mark Vadukas, the Tim Cahills. And we also have had COVID and everything else, as he explained in that presser, that 14 of the games to qualify for the World Cup have been played thousands of miles away in the in the Middle East. Now, yes, that's where the World Cup is going to be played. So perhaps in that respect, there's something to be gleaned from that. But not playing at home, that that's tough. And that means also that fans haven't seen them play, that it's not easy for the players. And, and there is a feeling that this is not the, the, the Socceroos team of past years. But I think there's always a feeling when we go out there for 90 minutes, playoff, backs to the wall, that that Aussie spirit, that battling spirit, that's what we have to show. And look, anything can happen in 90 minutes. It could it could come off. We could be world beaters and head on to Peru in a week's time. Yeah, well, let's hope that's the case. A couple of blows in relation to players. We know that Tommy Rogic has made himself unavailable about a week ago due to personal reasons after his stellar career with Celtic. And uh, there is news that from a West Australian perspective, it's interesting that Trent Sainsbury and Adam Taggart, both from this part of the country, uh, are doubtful as well. Yeah, I've actually had that pretty much confirmed. Um, when I saw that report, I got on the blower, and uh, it does look very, very doubtful um, for those two. Adam Taggart was going to definitely come back in and be a very important part of that puzzle going forward because we have struggled to score goals and score goals from open play, and I think there was a lot, a lot of hope surrounding the return of Adam Taggart, even if he's missed a lot of football this season through injury as well. And, of course, Trent Sainsbury is just a fantastic team player. He's had a fantastic career a um, hundred times for, you know, nearly a hundred caps for Australia. He's been a, a brilliant footballer for, for Australia as well. So it looks like he could be missing as well. But, look, one man's loss is another man's gain. There'll be, there'll be a couple of young players champing at the bit looking to, to make a name for themselves. You're sounding very positive, and we all need to be positive. But saying that, when you look at the Socceroos and the type of football they played, I must admit I didn't catch the friendly against Jordan where they won by two goals to one. But I gather, I gather Arnie was trying to get as close to the squad that he wanted and the style of play that he wants uh, the Socceroos to play in tomorrow morning's uh, qualifier. Uh, we know, as we mentioned, that Sainsbury and Taggart are out, but uh, did you see any of that game and did, you get, did it give you some sort of confidence that suggests that they may be able to beat this Middle Eastern opposition tonight? Uh, that game, I'm not sure that's the side we're going to see tonight. I think there's going to be a few changes and there could even be a few surprises. I think, coming up in, a, in the starting 11. That, that game against Jordan was, above all, one to test out a couple of players that haven't played too much. Aaron Moy, in particular, who came through over an hour of, of, of good, solid football, and he'll be much better for that run. I think we'll see changes in the starting 11. In terms of 
I think that was just a good run to get under your belt in the Middle East. I'm expecting Australia to dominate the game, to dominate possession. That doesn't necessarily mean win easily, but to dominate possession, to try and take the game to a, a UAE side who have got a new coach themselves, an Argentine who's been coaching in the Middle East for a long time. Um, but I'm expecting them to try and defend, to try and contain Australia and then hit on the counter-attack. That's what they did two years ago when they got their one and only win over Australia by a goal to nil. It came from a mistake, a Socceroos mistake as well in the quarterfinals of the Asian Cup. But look, I think, I think the team has been together for nine days in the Middle East. It's the best preparation we've had for a match throughout this entire qualifying campaign, if ever we're going to be confident, if ever we're going to be positive about a match, it has to be taking on a side that were a distant third in the other group and who have only played in one World Cup, and that was back in 1990. I mean, yes, people are asking the question of where, where are we at as a footballing nation at the moment, but look, recent history says this is how we measure it, and we've got to prove it now that we can go through. Mm, well, I think you've answered my next question. The fact, uh, how much do we know about the UAE? And they did defeat South Korea 1-0 in their final qualifier, but, of course, I think South Korea already qualified, so it was a, it was a dead rubber yep. as far as uh, they were concerned. Now, looking at Australia, it's so important. What about Graham Arnold? Uh, where does his future lie? Is it all dependent on these next two matches? Absolutely it is. <laughs> short, short and sweet answer. But that's the life of a coach. I mean, we're, just, we're seeing it in, in all codes at all times. I mean, who'd be a coach? You know that life is good while you're winning, but as soon as you lose a few, the pressure's on. And basically, there are very few coaches that get to walk away on their, on their own terms. I mean, basically, you're in a job where you know you're going to get sacked sooner or later. Arnie's been under a lot of pressure during this qualifying campaign because as much as anything, because of the, the, the nation's history and qualifying for the last four World Cups and looking for number five in a row. But, yeah, look, if, if Arnie doesn't make it, if Arnie is not the man to, to lead Australia to this fifth consecutive World Cup, then, yes, the F Football Federation Australia will have a look at it and say, look, that's the end of your tenure. And now we look for the next cycle and the next coach to try and perhaps change the way we play, change the players we're bringing in and move forward and try and qualify for the next one. Good on you, Robbie. I know you're going to try and get a, a couple of hours of uh, sleep and freshen up for what promises to be a big match. Two o'clock Western Standard Time tomorrow morning, of course, on Network 10 and also the streaming service Paramount+. Plus. Um, can I ask for a prediction, even though it's like really throwing darts at the wall? How do you see it going? I see Australia in a game of few chances. Um, Australia finally able to take one of them and a 1-0 victory will do us just fine. Oh, yeah, exactly. We just need the win. And I think Arnie's come out and said it's all about the win. Whether we play ugly or whether the game's ugly, it doesn't matter. It's just a case, it of, a case of winning the match. Robbie, great calling. Looking forward to the coverage, mate. And let's hope you can call Australia to a victory. Fantastic, Peter. Speak to you soon. Good on you. Robbie Thompson there from Network 10. The man and the voice that you'll hear if you follow the Socceroos game uh, tomorrow morning, our time. And we'll wrap it all up as well here on Drive with Peter Vlahos tomorrow. Thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Nat Fife's coming up next. You'll also hear about the future of Tex Walker, plus so much more. Don't go away. Still plenty to come here on Drive. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years.
Welcome back. Just updating uh, the Fremantle injury report uh, heading into this week's game against Hawthorne. As we know, the West Coast Eagles have the bye. Uh, Michael Frederick is now unavailable, as we know, for breaking team protocols. If you haven't heard, he went and had a bit of a a drink after the match against Brisbane at the weekend, which wasn't allowed. So he's been stood down for this week. But Freo could have up to five additional players available for selection for the match against Hawthorne here at Optus Stadium on Saturday afternoon. And those players are Michael Walters, Matt Taberner, Sebet Kuek, uh, Liam Henry and Neil Erasmus are all listed as tests to put their hand up for selection. Even though I heard that Kuek, actually the uh, mid-season draftee, may have hurt his ankle and could be out for a bit longer than that, but they've listed him as a test. Nat Fife will also be available for selection after, a, as we know, a pretty successful return to footy through the WAFL. And Nathan O'Driscoll, by the way, he'll need two or more weeks, probably two more weeks, they're saying, until he can be cleared to progress with the stress fracture in his foot. On the temperate bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. Hey, Lise, uh, thanks for texting in. Hi, Peter. Enjoyed listening to you calling Frio Brisbane game with Scotty's special unbiased comments. He goes, okay, Scotty Cummings. Well done to Frio, giving Frederick a week. Rules are rules, and they needed to bring Switkowski back in. Very disappointing that uh, Neil Fong wouldn't come on and speak about the problems at Joondalup, as you said Peter, people won't come back. It's about, it's not about you being negative. It's about letting the club know the issues so it can be rectified. That's so true, Lise. And, of course, Kim Hagdon, who you are a big fan of, uh, back on the drive program with Peter Vlahos on Thursday from 5 o'clock. Yeah, and if you've just tuned in, I went to the Arena June Club yesterday to see the WA Day Derby, the Perth Derby between East Perth and West Perth. Everyone knows I'm a Royal supporter, so I thought I'd go along and have a look. I try and get to the waffle whenever I can. And there were some issues yesterday and invited Neil Fong to come on and talk about, firstly, how terrific West Perth are going as a club. And they are top by game clear now in the WAFL. But there were some issues. So I just wanted to talk to him about, was he aware of the issues? If it happens next time, are things put in place? But he said, Pete, I don't want to come on and talk about anything negative to do with the WAFL or the West Perth Footy Club. I said, that's fine, Neil. That's your prerogative, mate. But in the end, there are issues that I saw with my naked eye yesterday that um, need to be rectified. Otherwise, people, as Lisa pointed out, may not come back to the footy. But coming back to the footy is Nat Fife, and he's likely to play for Frio against Hawthorne on Saturday afternoon. He was a guest on the couch last night on Fox Footy. And this is what he said about his likely return. I watched it with JL and we sort of looked at where the opportunity to insert me back into the side and have a net value add. I mean, there's no point in me putting, going back into the midfield and playing a role that Will Brody or Dave Mundy or Caleb Sarong or Andy Brayshaw have done so well for the whole season. So, uh, plus I'll be pretty rusty and need to take a number of weeks to find some form. So um, that would indicate that there'd be a fairly big forward component to where I played. He also pointed out that he feels that the young players that we've seen are certainly taking the club forward. That the cultural nucleus of our hub uh, with our younger demographic of players, that's what's driving us forward. Caleb Sarong, Michael Frederick, um, Brandon Walker, uh, Hayden Young, these guys that you're seeing come to life in front of you, they're what's driving the standards of our club. Uh, And that has some similarities back to when I was coming through as a younger player in 2013. So there you go, Nat Five. Uh, he was featured on the couch on Fox Footy last night. I thought he spoke uh, very well indeed. 
The other concerning thing for the AFL, and it was brought up to Christian Petrarca on Melbourne Radio, is that they are the reigning premiers. They got 29000 only to the MCG for their game against Fremantle. And this weekend, they were taking on another side. And a VFL side, I think it was Hawthorne they played this week, didn't they, Melbourne? Anyway, uh, who did Melbourne? Oh, Sydney. Sydney, of course. Sydney. They play, And a lot of the old South Melbourne supporters came. And they take on the Sydney Swans. There was only 32,000. And Petrarca said this about the low crowds that are following the reigning premiers. It's too Well, losses. we need a crowd first to actually yeah. get ourselves going. No one comes. When you come out there and you only see really 30,000 there, it's pretty good. Why are numbers down? Well, it's Saturday, Arvo, Saturday night. We played 4.30 last week against Frio, and that's not a great time for a Saturday night game. Yeah. And then Saturday night, 7.20 is not... It's just, been too, it's just too cold at the moment. I don't think people yeah. want to come and... Are they still doing... I um, find our, our age demographic for our fans is still quite older. Oh, please. Please. Oh, it's too cold to go out and watch the footy. It's a winter sport, Christian. It's a winter sport, mate. And if you're a true supporter, you'd go there if it's snowing. Honestly, you know what's wrong with the Melbourne supporters? They are known as the aristocrats of the AFL. If it gets too cold, they'll go down to a winery and sip a red or something like that, honestly. They're not going. They're not going to see Melbourne, the reigning premier. Uh, They got all on the bandwagon last year, and uh, this year maybe they're starting to drop off already because they've lost two games in a row. All right, let's go to a fellow who is our Greyhounds expert. For those listening on SEN Track 657 as part of our network that are listening to Drive program, at 7 o'clock tonight on SEN Tracks, we've got the Mandra Dogs preview, the Dogs WA, of course, uh, premium Greyhound racing every day. And, of course, WA Greyhounds race seven days a week. For tips and form, follow the Dogs WA on Twitter. And the message is always gamble responsibly. If you think you have a problem, call 1-800-858-858. Callum Robson, a very good evening to you. No, it looks like he's dropped off, has he? Yeah, it looks like he's dropped off. Okay. We'll see how we go and see if we can get him back on. Uh, We've only got a couple of minutes remaining. Just uh, repeating that tomorrow uh, we'll bring you the full wrap of the Socceroos match, uh, their do-or-die World Cup qualifier against the UAE. And also we'll bring you the last-minute news regarding the State of Origin Game 1 between New South Wales and Queensland. Callum, we've got you. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. Of course, uh, the big show tonight, 7 o'clock on SEN Track 657. What's in store for our listeners? Uh, We're previewing a Tuesday night program, going through race by race, talking everything Greyhounds. Um, Big race coming up this Saturday in the Winter Cup final. And there's a couple of Greyhounds getting ready for the Paradise Street heats next week over the 600 metres. So we'll be talking about that, um, previews race by race, and um, the general happenings in WA Greyhounds. And, of course, uh, you're an expert of a high class. Uh, You also throw out a couple of potential Greyhounds for people to watch and maybe have a wager on. Yeah, uh, we like to um, point out good runs, bad runs, teach people how to potentially do the form if they are keen to get involved, any tips and tricks and what to look for, what not to look for. So um, there's a lot for everyone on, on this show. And, yeah, there's a lot more than tips. You can learn a lot more about the industry. All right, good on you. Thanks for joining us, uh, Callum Robson. That happens tonight from 7 o'clock here on SEN Tracks, the Dogs WA show. Good on you, mate. I look forward to listening in. Thank you. Good on you, Callum Robson. Uh, just uh, someone else on the SMS. Uh, thanks, Lisa, again. And uh, thanks to all the others that have come through suggesting, yeah, 
Melbourne supporters, this is from Bill, Melbourne supporters, uh, they go to the snow and uh, do some skiing and go up to the lodges there rather than uh, go to the footy around this time of the year. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a concern for the AFL. There are some low crowds. They're forecasting it's North Melbourne against GWS this week in Melbourne and they're predicting the crowd could be under 10,000 for that match between the Kangaroos and Giants. Thanks, Jimmy. I'll be back tomorrow from 5 right here on SENWA. Have a great night.